0: Um, so I was preparing, my wife could tell you, I have seven sermons prepared. I kept I kept taking car rides, and I was like, I just need to pray about the message that I've prepared. And I'd come back, I'd say, scratch it, I got something else. Well, seriously, it happened four times. Um, but I was praying, uh, not because I thought there's anything wrong with those other ones, but I was trying to find what exactly God has, uh, or God wants to speak to this church today. Um, this is kind of a strange thing, but uh, it, most people probably don't know this uh, This story. This story is, it's in 2 Kings, I believe, if I'm right. Yes. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 16, it's about the Shunammite woman, Elisha and the Shunammite woman which is a very obscure seemingly obscure story and it's very self-contained and it's a it's a it's a message for the people of God specifically so basically I'll just jump right in the woman sees Elisha coming through where she lives Shunem and she sees him coming a lot and she's like surely this man is a man of God what I'm going to do I'm going to talk to my husband but apparently, it's only about her. So apparently, she calls the shots around there. So she says, We're building a room on the roof. It's going to have four walls and a roof. We're going to build a room for him to stay. And uh, right off the bat, we know as the reader okay, this is not some person that needs a miracle. This is a person that loves God. It says, Hey, I'm making a room, I'm putting a place in my life, in my house for God. I want nothing. I don't want a single thing from him. This is for God. Um, so Elisha's like, "All right, well." So essentially, God has a bedroom, and uh, Elisha's in there, and Elisha has a servant, which his name is Gehazi, Gehazi, whatever. Um, and he's like, "Hey, we got to do something for something for this lady. Like she, because I guess he's used to people being like, hey, here, let me give you something, and also, I need a miracle, or also, I need a word. So, he's very accustomed to that, so she asks for nothing, just, she's a wealthy woman, wealthy family, and she's like, nope, I just hooking God up, that's all. And so, he's like, okay, anything that you want, go get the woman, ask her, is there anything you want, and she's like, no, I'm good, My, my family has provided enough for me, I have everything that I need, and so... That's not good enough for Elisha. So Elisha asks his servant, says, okay, well, we got to get her something. And then he says, how about a son, which is pretty intense because Elisha was thinking, like, let me go. T- you want me to go talk to the king for you or, you know, the general of the army? And then the servant was like, you know what? Give her a son. That's a uh, – which is not a favor. I mean, it is – it's a blessing, but it's, it's a responsibility. So – we, we understand this very important thing from the scripture is like, okay, this is God's idea. Totally. She asked for nothing. She did not ask for a son, uh, which for me, I could definitely relate because me and Amber were waiting until she finished school, uh, but that didn't happen. God had other plans. So I can definitely uh, relate to this woman 100% because God's dream is never a convenience is never a convenient thing, but it is something that's in your heart. Um, it's usually something you're too scared to ask for, or something you think that you're not worthy of or you can't handle. So, literally, Elisha says, He's like, okay, good idea. Good idea, servant. Bring her back up here. And he says, Hey, next year, this time, you'll be nursing a son in your arms. And her response is, It might be up on the screen, maybe not. Verse 16. Her response is, no, my Lord, she cries. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Now, this is a very interesting response to somebody that was just told, like, hey, you don't have a son. You've never had one. Uh, and her, her husband was old, which that plays a factor. And, uh, and so you, do, you, you get to see that really she was like, no, I'm done that that's not that's not happening. I don't want it. Don't get my hopes up. Don't deceive me. Um, which if which I believe everyone in here um, has had words from God or promises from God that you hear it or you see it. God speaks to you and you're like, I don't know what that was. Whether it was a vision or a word, like my like people. Whenever Amber first started coming to church, they kept telling Amber that. Uh, she is she has the anointing of evangelism, and she's just like, "I don't know what you're talking about uh but because she's like, i don't even know what that means like how do how do you do that? how do you spirit of evangelism um but she was very she was very like uh i mean she talked to me about it. she's like i like I like the idea of it, I just don't understand it at all, and uh I feel like that is something for us that or for me, I know I've had dreams and God's spoken things over my life, and I'm like, "This is, uh, this is too much. This doesn't, this doesn't, this is so opposite of my reality. What God is speaking is so opposite of my reality, and that's the same thing that God is showing with this woman." Um, first of all, let me give you the title of the sermon because I worked really hard on it. <laughs> It's, uh, reviving God's promise, um, or another one could be when God's promise seemed all but dead. Um, this sermon is, or this word I was reading, like I said, I was like spitting out some, uh, some half-baked messages all yesterday. Finally found this one. Thank you, Jesus. Um the obviously I'm trying to find myself bear with me the uh i'm going to kind of go through the story real quick and then we'll kind of come back with points are y'all good can y'all follow me thank you i've had this i've had a, a thing my my wife's been telling me that i'm snoring like an absolute Lawnmower in the middle of the night. She, she, Whenever I woke up at six this morning, she was like, Get out. I'm not waking up. I need about an hour more to sleep because you have a problem. She literally told me, If you don't figure out how to stop your snoring, I'm going to find somewhere else to sleep. I was like, Are You seriously? What? Are you saying this to me? Well, on the day that I'm to preach, you're telling me that you're going to move out because of something I can't control. I'm, I'm suffocating. In my sleep, so I'm gonna suffocate, and you're gonna leave. So if I sound nasally, it's because it's because I'm sad. Um. So this whole the story, we got what point we get to. She was like, "Oh no, okay, yeah." So I haven't even got through a quarter of the story yet. Sure enough, she became pregnant, and I'm gonna paraphrase it so we don't have to go through the whole. Deal and read along because I'm not that good at reading, and y'all, from from what I've known, not that good at listening. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Just the just just the youth side. Just teasing. They didn't even catch it. That's how much they're not listening. The uh, so she gets pregnant, and she goes to she goes to her husband. Uh, or no, she, the the son is out in the field. He's a little bit older now, uh, and it's just as the prophet said. A year later, she now has a baby boy. The boy's a little older, helping his father in the field, and he's out there, and he starts just, I don't know what it is, migraine, uh, aneurysm, I don't know what it is. He just starts screaming, my head, my head. Um, and so, like any man says, go bring that to the mother, she'll know what to do. And so the servant brings to the mother. The mother has the baby, her promised child, her dream that she dare not even ask for on her lap. And at noon that day, dead, completely flatlined. Um, this is one of those moments that whenever you're reading it, you, you know that you kind of read through the story. You get the, you get the point, and you almost feel like, okay, I know how everybody's supposed to feel, what they're feeling, uh, and what the end of the story is, but if you try to put yourself in this situation, first of all, that husband is going to get grilled if comes home and you were outside helping he was outside helping his dad now he 's dead. The blame game begins. It is an absolute tragedy. What has just happened i mean it 's like the worst thing you could possibly imagine you 're like, what is going on he was out and then his head hurt, and he's dead. What, this is, it's not even a, this is like, this is not funny. And uh, she immediately grabs son, does not tell her husband anything. Which this is, hurt. this is so out of character. If they said this was a man, I would totally buy this story. i be like, okay, it makes sense. He's hiding the body, and he's going to go try to figure something out before his wife finds out, makes sense. But this is the woman. She tells no one. She doesn't tell the husband. She just tells the husband, hey, go, go, go get the donkey ready. Uh, get a servant to get, basically get the car ready. Uh, I got to go get the man of God. I'll be right back. And he says, why? It's not the Sabbath. It's not, you know, it's not Sunday morning. It's not Wednesday. Why, what do you need to talk to the pastor for? And she's like, stop asking questions. Just do it. And that's enough information for a man. Uh, he's like, all right, just do it. Um, so basically, she goes and she tells the servant, hey, drive this donkey as fast as you can. Do not stop. Uh, do not slow down unless I instruct you to. So she gets all the way to Mount Carmel where Elisha lives. And Elisha sees her coming I'm assuming like a bat out of hell, and he already knows something's up because he, he gets a service. He goes, go out there and ask her how everything is with her, how everything is with her husband, and how everything is with the child. Go just in case. I want to know what I'm ready for because uh, they weren't that far away, but he's like, he like, that's the woman, and she looks mad. And so he sends, he sends a servant. servant asks. Um, this is a very amazing thing. He said, hey, how everything, is everything all right with you, your husband, and your child? She said, yes, everything is fine. Another translation says, it is well, which that's where the song was derived from this actual passage of scripture, it is well. So still, she has told nobody what is going on. Not a single person, not the servant, not her husband, uh, and not Elisha's servant. They finally, they go up to the mountain, and she immediately falls to the feet of the prophet. And she is inconsolable. She's crying. And uh, the servant's trying to get her off, and the prophet says, Leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Um, Then the first thing that she says In regards to her son at all, the entire story is, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha smartly and immediately says to Gehazi, get ready to travel, take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. And the boy's mother says, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Um, and then the story goes on. There's a, there is an absolute miracle that happens, but that's another sermon for another day. Because I want to focus on this woman. She is not a pastor. She is not God in this situation. She is, she is the mother of the child. She is the person who was promised something. And that promise was contradicted in front of her. Um, so I do have points. It is how to revive God's promise. Um, the first thing is anticipate your miracle. The first thing she does is she takes the takes son as he's dead, takes him, runs upstairs, and essentially puts her son in God's room. That she made. She was like, it's going right there. I'm not telling any, nothing, everything is fine. But you can imagine, as soon as she found out, I, when I'm reading this, I can feel this holy, this righteous anger of like, Mm-mm, not today. This is not happening. This will not happen. And so she goes immediately, brings her son into that room. Uh, she didn't grieve. She just planned her trip. The second thing is, speak life or nothing at all. She was careful with who she told. She told literally no one about the situation. She never once in the entire story said, my son is dead. Never. Never acknowledged it. Never said it. She knew it. That was reality. But she said, things, this is going to change. This is not the way this ends. Um, she didn't tell anyone that her son was dead, including the prophet. The third thing, I'm, I'm blowing through these, so hopefully you brought your pens. The third thing is cling to Jesus. She gets up there. She didn't run or pout or despair. She was just clinging to him. And like, surely this is not... This isn't real. The fourth thing is, remember that the dream was never yours. Um, It's a powerful thing for me, uh, and I know my family, and a lot of people I know, is that whenever things look contradictory to what God actually said, how they're going to be, especially with a promise from God, you have to say, this is God's, and whatever is born of God's overcomes the world, and you hold on to that word, and you hold on for dear life, because that promise is more important than the pain. The fifth thing is, uh, and final thing is, do not yield. Fight. She didn't leave God alone. She told the prophet, hey, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. As sure as God is alive and you are alive, it sounds like a threat. It sounds like she says, I'll kill God and you if you, I will not go anywhere. God will die and you will die before I leave because I will not leave. It is like, it is this statement of like, I'm going nowhere. She didn't go, she didn't go with the servant who the servant was running with the staff, did not go with him. To go see, like, is this gonna work? She's like, nope. I'm staying with the man of God. And essentially, for us, it's like, no, I'm staying with Jesus till I see the miracle. I'm not leaving His side. I don't care if I'm here or there where I need a miracle. I'm staying with God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday. It does not matter. Um, I had a similar. Uh, I'm gonna try not to cry because I. Once I get going, my dad can recover. I can't. Um, I had a similar, uh, me and my wife had a similar issue, or a similar miracle. Um, Try not to cry. We were, we we found out we were going to have a son. Or a baby, rather. Well, I knew. I, I peaked during the ultrasound. <laughs> Surprise! She still doesn't know whether to believe you or not about that. It's true. Um, so I knew, and uh, and then we got a. Everything was good, and we were excited, and uh, and we knew like this is God's deal, like point blank. It's clear. Like we were. She was. You know, we were taking precautions to make sure that she didn't have the baby until she was out of college. We were planning, but we also said, if it's God, it's God, and God will do what he wants. Um, so we found out she was pregnant. We were all blindsided, um, but super happy. And uh, and I knew this is God's. This is what God wanted. No, no need to freak out or stress out. This is God's. Um, we got... News probably about what two weeks ago, just over two weeks, maybe three, um, that the baby might not be healthy. Um, And there's a huge difference between knowing and then hoping. And uh, and we found out that our baby might not be healthy, it is a big deal. And I immediately was strong, and I was like, Hey, and she was crying when she told me, Hey, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. This is God's deal. Do not worry. And, uh, and I was good for a whole day. And then uh, I started panicking, having like a panic. I yelled at Becca. <laughs> so I was panicking. Um, but I was, it was, for me, I was like, okay, we need a miracle. Um, so I was told him, I was like, look, don't tell anybody. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it to a small group of people that we tell. Very small. Because I knew that these, and I didn't, I didn't read this, uh, this scripture ahead of time. It just happens to be a perfect parallel. And I was like, careful who you tell because only faith. And there is not going to be any words of death spoken over a baby or words of sickness and, uh, and so it was rough. It was probably the worst two weeks ever because it was torture. It was an absolute torturous situation. And, uh, and I, was, I was an absolute wreck. And I just remember driving by myself. And I was just like, Lord, please. And I literally said, I said, this is your baby, please, please, Lord. And I just remember that was all I could say was please. And, uh, and then I was good, secretly, not good, but I was okay. I wasn't saying anything. It was t- we, we talked about it probably four times in those, like, two-week in two week period. We did not talk about it because it was just like, if you don't have, if you're not speaking life and if you're not speaking faith, then shut your mouth. Um, and that was the reality. It was like, watch what you say. Um, and that's why we were cautious to tell the people because we were like, look, I'm not about to get in a fight because somebody said something that was possibly obvious. I'm not about to start yelling at somebody. Um, but I, I know that uh, that was something for me is very specific and very, uh, is very parallel, but I know for, for everybody here and people that are, this is a word for people in church, and I know that God has probably given you dreams of and promises of your ministry, of your family, of these different things, and then all of a sudden you turn around and it could not say anything close to what God said your situation says the opposite of or your children serving It's like no it looks like they're it seems like they're serving the devil uh, or your finances you're like well it looks like I have negative money I have less money than a homeless person that's what it looks like um, your situation saying the opposite of what God says um, but I'm here today to tell you instead of this is, this is not a word for 2019. This is a word to write the things that were wrong in 2018 and before. These promises that look like they're dead. To start speaking over them and start bringing them back to God. Because this next year will be the year that these dreams are revived. Your ministry, your finances, the hopes for your children these other things that God may have spoken over you these things that you really you might have even forgot about to bring them back to God's attention um because I know that this I mean for me the last point of fight and do not yield is something that I I know that's something that my parents do it's what I love about my parents they fight they do not yield they will lay everything down for the gospel The paraconis, they fight. They do not yield. And I know today that there's people here that need to (laughs) encourage your loins. Say, I will fight. I will not yield. I will not lose out on the promise. Because the promise is more important than the pain. Um. I'm going to go ahead and close with that. So if everybody could bow their head and close their eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everybody here today. Lord, I thank you that this is a new year that you're bringing us into, Father. Lord, right now we hold every word and every thought captive. and call it under the authority of your Holy Spirit and under the authority of your blood, Jesus. Any negative words or words of death spoken over our families, over our finances, over our health, Lord, everyone in this room, Lord, we cancel it right now with the blood of Jesus. Not because we're great, not because we're righteous, not because we deserve the promise, but because your son died. Your perfect son died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could have what was his. Lord, that you see us as righteous because he was righteous, Lord. We accept that. We accept your sacrifice, Lord. Lord, now go with us and help us. Give us the discipline to speak with faith. Give us the discipline and the strength to fight, Lord. Lord, keep us strong and keep us at your side, Lord. Keep us with you, Father. Keep us at the feet of Jesus where our help comes from, where our health comes from, where our provision comes from, Lord. Keep us, Jesus. We love you. We magnify your name today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Huh? Oh, sorry. The end of my story is the baby's fine. We found out last week. Sorry. Cliffhanger. I would not, if we did not know the baby uh, wasn't fine, I probably wouldn't be able to do this, but it was a miracle. It is the best thing ever, um, but yes, the baby's healthy, and uh, love you guys. Happy New Year.